0: The Holy Spirit is alive right now, today. Think about that just for a second. I mean, think about what I just said. The Holy Spirit is alive right now, today. I mean, if you think about the weight of that statement, it should have chills going up your spine, around your body. You should feel something. The same Holy Spirit that was with Moses. The same Holy Spirit that led Abraham out of his country and into a new place. The same Holy Spirit we talked about all summer that led David into a place of a man after God's own heart. That same Spirit that took Saul and changed him into Paul, a killer, to a converter. That same Holy Spirit that took our character today, Peter, and made him a fisher of men. He said, feed my sheep. Jesus used the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit that was with Jesus all throughout his ministry. He was there in the garden. He was there at his last breath when he said it is finished. And he'll be there with your last breath when it is finished. Think about what I'm saying. If you believe the Holy Spirit is alive and well, if is the key word then. Too often today, we kind of minimize the Holy Spirit and what it's doing. And right now, I just want you to ask God, ask God to speak. And if he does speak, it's through that same Holy Spirit. And I want you to really write down the message that God speaks, that the Holy Spirit brings to you. And I want you to realize whatever the Holy Spirit is saying, it's coming directly from the Father's heart. And that could be through the text that you're reading or praying through. And I believe that message that you'll receive is going to be very personal. And I believe at the end of this sermon series and this message and over the next few weeks, more will be revealed about where you're supposed to go and where I'm supposed to go. Because the Holy Spirit is alive and well and he's working in me and changing me. And if it's happening with me, I know it will happen with you. Well, welcome. It's a new day. It's a new season and we're doing a new sermon series and I'm pretty pumped up. Not because of the new season and the new day, but the sermon series is called Refined and it's gonna refine me and I hope it refines you. And here's the kind of title in it. I think it makes so much sense right now in this day and age. It's called Refined, A Real Life in Difficult Times. Times are difficult for all of us. Even if you don't realize it, the pandemic is having an effect on us and there's underlying issues that are driving people into places that are unhealthy. I'm one of them. But I believe as we go through the book of Peter, 1 Peter, God is going to refine us, shape us, mold us, chip us away so that we can be refined in him. And in the end, he will be glorified and our life will be a true testimony to who he is refined is an adjective an adjective is a word that describes a people a a noun a people places and thing kind of uh, describing tool refined means from the dictionary it says having impurities or unwanted elements from a substance being removed typically from an industrial process refined means having been uh, improved by making small changes an idea, a theory, a method. We're going to be refined over the next eight weeks. The point is, the more that you listen to the Holy Spirit, the more you will be refined. The more that I hear the Holy Spirit, the more that I will be refined. And trust me, I have impurity, just like everyone else and sometimes greater than uh, than uh others. The Holy Spirit is alive and well. And he wants to refine us right now. And I just want you once again, I want to reiterate, ask God to speak. Let the Holy Spirit move right now. And whatever he says, write it down and be obedient. Do whatever it says. If he wants you to forgive, forgive. If he wants you to obey, obey, give or serve or love or whatever the little word that comes to you or the phrase that comes to you, write it down and obey and go to the bank. And what I mean is your spiritual bank and live by it. I've had to do it over the last few weeks. Go back to words that God has given me and scripture and verses that the Holy Spirit has given me. And it's been able to build me up and give me hope, even in tough times. We are refined by the Holy Spirit and he wants to speak boldly to us because we are in a new season. We're in a new series. And I believe God wants to move. In this pandemic, what has the role been of the Holy Spirit in your life? How has it led you through this trial, through this trouble? How has it brought peace? The Holy Spirit's job is to bring peace and lead us to greater faith and in the end gives us greater hope. And that's really the sermon today, refined hope, refining our hope. But here's what's happened to me. And I can only speak for myself, but I'm sure it will relate to you. As we are living on Earth, that same Holy Spirit that was with David and Jesus and Peter and uh, and Paul and and everyone else that's experienced and lived by the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit on Earth today is being drowned out. I know I've done it. It's being squelched. It's being stifled. It's being stopped. And we need to be refined. So it become it it can become clearer. So what's stopping us right now? Why are we stuck? Well, let me give you some of the common things. You're not going to hear anything revolutionary. You're going to hear something and hopefully it'll stand out because the Holy Spirit says this is stopping or squelching or um, stifling what I'm trying to do. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I can't be good for our spiritual journey. How about the media? Listen, whatever you're watching on TV, especially news, they're interested in ratings, not revival. Ratings, not revival. They don't care about what your life is. They're interested in you watching their show so they could sell more ads. They're not interested in anything other than themselves. Some of the other things, your phone, money, kids those are all important things but they also stop us from hearing and and really thriving in the holy spirit how about the sex drugs and rock and roll that'll always stop it material possessions that'll stop it but here's the thing that i think we're all struggling with during this pandemic just plain boredom we're stuck at home we're not doing what we normally do we're complacent and so what do we do we pick up the phone because we're bored Instead of picking up the word or picking up the the phone to call a friend or to call your parents or your kids, we're becoming complacent. We're picking up the remote and we're numbing out. Man, there's been so much streaming on the internet from Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu. We just need to put down the remote and the phone and be quiet for a moment so that God can speak. Well, I'm glad you're here today. And wherever you're watching at, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to move because we're going to go through this sermon series called Refined. We're going to go through the book of 1 Peter. And it's at almost the very end. Just take your Bible and go almost to the very end. There's a few books before Revelation. Jude and, and, and John's got three books. But we're going to go to 1 Peter and we're going to use it to kind of get refined. Get pumped up again. Get our flow back with God. So let's go first Peter chapter one, verse one says this, this is a letter from Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm just going to stop and kind of add some commentary through the verses to help us understand there's so much we can do and study in the Bible. Just one, one sentence. And let me give you an example. This man's original name is Simon. That's his government name or that's his birth name. But at one moment, when he meets Christ, his life is radically changed. Radically changed. Man, when I met Christ, my life was radically changed. But when I allow things around me to stifle the Holy Spirit, that radical goes to kind of lukewarm and mild. And I start walking away, but Peter meets Christ and he's radically changed. How do we know this? We just go to the Bible. The Bible shows us what happened to Peter and why his name was changed from Simon to Peter. Here's what it says. Matthew chapter 16. We go back and see in the gospels of Matthew. Here's what it says. Jesus says, but who do you say I am? He's in this conversation. There's some up evil and he says, who do you say I am? And here's what it says. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of, of li- the living God. You're it. You're the one. It's you. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the Messiah. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. He goes back and kind of says, this is your real name, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed it this to you. Just like the Holy Spirit has revealed that Christ is the Messiah to you. You did not learn this from a human being, just like you and I did not learn this. Maybe a human being spoke it, but it was from the Father in heaven. He says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And if you see any pictures of Peter, you're going to see him, and he's always got a couple of keys because those are the keys to heaven. And now we're reading One of the few writings that Peter Peter has. The guy that's holding the keys to the kingdom. If Jesus were speaking, it would be in Aramaic. And Aramaic is Caiaphas. Caiaphas. That would be translated in Greek, Petros, which means rock. We call it Peter. That's the American. And here's the second part of the verse. He says, Peter is now writing. He says, I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners. We need to kind of look back at that in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now here's the thing. I'm going to put up a map and I want you to look at it. This letter is called a circular letter. It's a general epistle, it's for all the churches, but when he originally sent it, it was to go in this circle. If you look at the map, you can see the circle on it, and it shows you where it kind of goes around these areas. It's it's an important place for us to understand. It's a circular letter. Peter is in Rome. He's kind of left Jerusalem and he's traveling. He's writing this letter to some friends that he has. And in Acts, I don't remember if you, I don't know if you remember in Acts, but there's a moment where the Holy Spirit stops Paul. And that place that he stops is a place called Bithynia. And that's where Peter's writing to. So Paul has kind of evangelized the bottom half of what we now call Turkey. But Peter has some friends from the scattering of the persecution of Jerusalem. Peter's a bigwig in Jerusalem. and one moment, the church with thousands, we're talking 50, 60, 80,000 people at one point are scattered all over that region and they're they're living for for the glory of Jesus Christ. So Peter is writing to this group, this circular letter. And what that means is they were handing it to everybody and they were reading it. And it was from one of the great apostles that Apostle Peter. And here's, here's what it says, and I'm going to kind of give you some of the Jeff translation. Here's what he's saying. Hello, God's people who are chosen. Yours might say elect, as well as exiled. He's basically saying to the people who are elected or, or, and also exiled. Now, some theologists would start saying this means that, you know, this has a really strange theological c- content. I don't think that's exactly what the Greek is saying. It's only said twice in the Bible, and I don't think it really means what, what some theologians talk about, and I don't want to get into that, but I just want you to tell you, here's what Paul or, or Peter is really writing. He's saying to those that are children of God that are exiled and been persecuted and pushed out of their region, he's using some interesting phraseology or descriptions of the Old Testament to say, you are all God's children from Abraham, Isaac, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's trying to put them all together, saying no matter where you're from, Jew or Gentile, you're all one in Christ. He's using this Old Testament phraseology to say you are all people, part of the original elect from um, Abraham's covenant long ago. And you're also in exile like Abraham was. And that's that's an interesting phrase. We're all one in Christ, no matter if we're free or a slave if we're a Jew or a Gentile, if we're black or white, if we're Hispanic or Asian, we're all one in Christ no matter what. He also says to the foreigner, the stranger, the sojourner, he's just saying we know that you guys are in a different place. This isn't your hometown and you're trying to do something. And the truth is, as Christians today, we're trying to live as, uh, as earthlings but we're really heavenly beings. We're trying to live a spiritual life in a worldly place. So we feel strange. Don't you feel strange sometimes? Don't you ask God, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Well, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit starts giving you that answer. This book is about suffering. There's five chapters in the book of Peter, 1 Peter, and it says 15 times suffering. Every Every few verses, it's going to talk about suffering because that's a big part of what Peter is trying to communicate. This group is in real life, and they're really struggling. They're being persecuted, and they're suffering. Here's what verse 2 says. God the Father knew and chose you long ago, and His Spirit made you holy. Holy Spirit, make us holy right now. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Now, once again, he's talking about the elect or the chosen, but he's going back. And most of the time when you hear predestination, foreknown, or foreknowledge, and it's only said a couple of times, and we don't make doctrine because of that, you hear it, and he's really referring back to the original covenant, seven covenants in the Bible. And I think it's important. The Greek word for chosen or elect is Prognosis. Now, if, if Jeremy is here, he knows the language is so much rare, he would kind of give you the exact definition, but it really means prognosis from the word we have in the English language, prognosis, which is a prearranged forecast foreknowledge. And it, it's just kind of saying this was the original plan for all that believe in Jesus long ago washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And in that there's this holy work that the Spirit is doing. Now the Holy Spirit is alive right now and he wants to make you holy. How? It says by being obedient in Christ and because of what Christ did on the cross. All you've got to do is be obedient to Christ because Christ did all the finishing work on the cross and then the Holy Spirit through God raised him up. Three days later, we are cleansed in Christ. If we cling to that clean cleansing, God does something powerful. The last part is interesting to me, and I I, I really want you to hear this. I need this for myself. The Holy Spirit says that it will bring you peace through grace. Today, right now, we're divided. Christians are divided, slinging Bible verses one by one, saying this is what I'm saying, this is what I'm saying. And the truth is the Bible says that you have peace more and more peace through more and more grace how do you get peace in your life giving grace giving grace the more grace i give the more peaceful i'll live we're doing this sermon series and we're trying to refine your hope and i hope you feel that right now we're taking real lives yours and mine the worship team the church staff and anybody who shows up and we are going to refine our life we are going to be redefined through the holy spirit and in the end we will be reshaped for the glory of god now here's the main point of the the message today before we get into the real uh, beauty of the of the text from peter hope doesn't come from my circumstances hope comes from christ jesus Listen, my circumstances will never bring me the hope that my soul desires. Those circumstances are actually going to fail me. People, places, and things will constantly fail me. So if I'm putting my hope in human beings, and I'm talking like my wife and my kids and my best friends, they're going to fail me just like I failed them a lot. I can't put hope in circumstantial things. I can only put hope in eternal things. My hope comes from Christ Jesus and Christ alone. So we're going to talk about hope. Now, the next 10 verses are a song of praise. Now, think about this for a second. Kim's message last week was awesome. Uh, uh, Praise God. I I called her Rodriguez. My brother-in-law didn't necessarily like it, but uh, he'll get over it. He'll grow one day. But she gave a message in 2 Samuel chapter 22, and it was a place of praise. It was was an Old Testament praise from the Jewish tradition. Now, Peter, remember who he is. His job is to uh, be a disciple to uh, Christian Jews. They're Jewish by nature. That's his ministry. And so now in his book, he's going to start out and do an old Jewish tradition like we see in the Psalms and give us a song of praise. Ten verses to pump people up and to give them hope. And he's going to sing it to us right now. Think about a song that gives you hope right now. You know, last week and a half or two, I've been just struggling resentful and frustrated and angry and over and over I kept asking Alexa to play this song that just used to rock my spirit and it's called Oceans. Take me to a place where my feet won't go a place where I can walk upon the water because the truth is God I'm drowning. So I had to go back to that song so that I could walk upon the water And that I can go to a place that my feet won't go because my feet and my head and my heart, they're failing me because I'm disconnected. Another song that's really spoke to me boldly in the last eight or nine months is called Nothing Else. So I'm just trying to give you some examples because we're going to sing a song and it's going to come from Peter's heart that's connected to the Holy Spirit. And it's going to sound like Bible verses, but it's going to change you. Another song by Cody Carnes is Nothing Else. And that song just rocked me because it says everything that we think about God is is wrong or opposite. It says, I'm not here for blessing. My job on earth is not to be blessed by God so that I can, you know, walk around and It's like, look at Jeff, man, he's blessed. No, I'm not here for blessings, it says. Jesus doesn't owe me anything. What? That's contrary to what I believe and what I've been preached at. Well, the truth is the Holy Spirit wants you to understand that that's not what the message and ministry of God is. He's not just about miracles, but he loves miracles. He's not just about healing, but he loves healing. He's a complete God that he wants to do a full work. So those songs have brought me hope. And now we're going to pray and then go through these next 10 verses. Father, we love you. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, sing a song that we've never heard but we know it's from your word. Open up our hearts, refine us, Father. Refine us so that we have the greatest hope that we've ever had. Change us right now, Lord. Your spirit is moving. The power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is moving right now. I feel it, Lord. And I ask that you just move it right now into the airwaves, into wherever people are. In Jesus' name, amen. All praise to God. How's, this is how the song starts. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead and now we live with great expectation. Not like the book, but like a real expectation, hope, great hope because of what he did. God took his son upon the cross and because of what he did on the cross and what he did three days later, it brings us hope. And that's how Peter sings this song. He's going to a a people group that is suffering and struggling and they're ready to give up and they just want to stop ministry. They want to stop doing this Christ thing because it's destroying them but Peter's going to sing them a song like they would in the Old Testament to revitalize them and give them hope. There's a guy named Marcus Tillis Cicero. Maybe you've heard the last name before, Cicero. He's a Roman statesman, 43 B.C., before Christ. And he's a lawyer, and it says he's an academic skeptic. I think that he wasn't really thinking that education had all the answers but he plays an important role in the roman republic and his philosophy and his mindset led them into a roman empire expansion so that when christ comes uh the rome is 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 the superpower and here's what he says and his writing is still relevant as it was you know a couple thousand years ago and here's one of his quotes i think it's important that we hear this while there is life there is hope i was talking to a friend right before the message and his mom's on his uh, on, on her last leg, it seemed like, and they needed a procedure to get her through this year. But while there's life, I could see it, even him, he was saying, is like, while there was life, there's still hope and there's still relationship and memories that we can make. While there is life, there is hope. By God's mercy is what the text says. We are born again. That means that we are made holy and we are born again and now we're not punished. Remember the mercy message? We're not punished. And the beautiful side is there's also grace. Grace and mercy go hand in hand, but they're different. One frees us from the punishment of sin, and the other one brings us into eternal glory for God. By his great mercy, we are free and cleansed and born again. That means that we can be right with God and holy with God because we're clinging to a son with no punishment because through god and through the holy spirit who is speaking now he raised jesus from the dead after he died upon the cross and that same power that we're talking about is being preached to you right now so if you are lifeless if you are hopeless if you are dead to sin if you are dead to self if you are dead to drugs and alcohol and 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 just you know prevalent sin that's taken over your life God wants to bring you hope. He wants to redefine you. He wants to shape you. He wants to make you a different person through hope. By this living hope from the living word of God through the living son of God, Jesus Christ. Did you get that? If you're hopeless right now, so thankful for your watch, for your watch, because God is powerfully working. So it says, while there is life, there is hope. That's Cicero. Here's the quote that comes to my brain, and it comes from uh, one of the commentaries, and it says this, while there is hope, uh, where there is hope, there's Christ. I can't find hope in my circumstances. I can only find hope in Jesus Christ. Where there is hope in this world, it's through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. Let's reread it. It says this. All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy. Listen to the hope by, uh, what, that we have been born again because God has raised Jesus from the dead and now we have this new great expectation where there is Christ, there is hope, and there's great hope pouring into your lap right now. Just receive it. Verse 4 says, and we have this, priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you pure undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay do you know what priceless means it doesn't mean money value necessarily a lot of things that uh, in our life we've got pictures my wife's got something that her a, a robe that her mom had when she was passing that's priceless you can't put money on that you know, we think life is priceless, but no, they put a money value. This is priceless. You have a priceless inheritance. You don't realize how valuable it is. And that's one of the sad things and uh, that we have in our faith is we don't realize how priceless Christ is. And the inheritance. We, we are waiting for that day that we get to go and live in that inheritance. And the Holy Spirit's just shouting, going, shut up. I have it for you right now. You're just not listening. I want to bless you on earth as it is in heaven. That's not just a cute prayer. That's a reality. It's kept in heaven, pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of decay. The living hope that we have in Christ is priceless. It's alive. Anything that's alive grows. And anything that's growing can become beautiful. Can become beautiful. Over time, maybe. But time is not our friend. Over time, we decay, we fade. Some of our greatest hopes fade and dis- are destroyed because of time. Man, I'm getting old. About four weeks ago, when we first came to this area to do the, uh, the sermon at CAM Community, thanks, CAM Community, for letting us shoot here. I was with Jeremy, and I just moved this little six-foot plastic table up on the stage, and I kind of tweaked my back. Over time, my hopes are being destroyed because we are decaying as human beings. But in Christ, if my faith is right, it becomes beautiful, refined, and wonderful. Those that realize their inheritance right now that is priceless in heaven and, and, and start living for that end up having great hope even in the midst of a difficult life. The first couple verses, the first part of this song says this, be hopeful for we are born for glory. That's the first kind of stanza. Be hopeful for we are born for glory. Verse five says, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day. We who are saved are saved in Jesus Christ. But too often we don't talk about the second part of our salvation, which is, it says true salvation or complete or finished salvation comes on the last day. I am saved and I'm going to go to heaven because I believe, but there is a greater day and that's the last day when Christ rises all the people up that are dead and alive and brings them together and there's going to be this great day and this new Jerusalem and this new kingdom and there's going to be an amazing day. And that's the complete part of salvation salvation and everybody that dies is in heaven waiting for that day and worshiping and one day we'll all be there but on that last day that's a big part as we are living in this new hope realize that there's a greater day ahead for all of us even for those that have passed it's growing these this hope that we have is growing it's shaping us refining us all the way to the end so that we can be right at the very end. The second stanza says this, be hopeful for we are protected for God's glory. Be hopeful for we are protected. What you have in Christ is protected. No one can take it. It can't be destroyed or decayed. It can't change. It's going to be there. So be hopeful for the glory of God. Verse six, so be truly glad there's wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. I sure like the beginning part. Be glad, there's great joy ahead. Get your head up. Quit drowning in the water, let your feet go, uh, let your let your feet go where you won't go. Walk upon the water. But it says there's going to be many trials for a little while. But be joyful. No matter what's going on, there's joy ahead. Remember the story about Bathsheba and David? They had consequences of sin that were going to last through David's life, but they lived a the life, even with the consequences of sin, joyful, because David knew at the end he was going to be with God and with his son. Be joyful. There's great things, wonderful joy ahead, as it says. Now, verse 7 is kind of really the key verse to all of this, and maybe to the whole sermon series. And it says this, and this is really cool. It says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. I've had some trials, mostly self-inflicted. And you know what? The only thing I've had is Christ. It's genuine. It says it is being tested as fire is tested and purifies, and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than gold. This is really the refining verse. It talks about this fire being testify, uh, 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 testing and purifying. Now, everybody that read this back in the day in that circular letter understood this because there were forgers uh, forging metal all over the place. They would go and watch the sparks and all the, the dross and the impurities as they poured lead and steel and gold into these things. They could see it and they understood it. We don't see it that often, but they're being tested and purified. And it says, as gold is purified, but it says your faith is even more uh, valuable than gold. And we call it the gold standard. So we hold gold at a very high level. And Peter's telling us, through the Holy Spirit, that our faith is even greater than anything that we consider a standard on earth. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Christ is revealed to the whole world. That's the joy. That's the hope. However your life is played out right now, there's a greater hope. There's going to be a moment where every knee will bow. Can't you wait to get down on your knee and bow? When every knee bows, Christ will be revealed and the world will see, man, praise God, he's here. And some are going to say, why would I miss out on this beautiful, awesome afterlife? There's great joy ahead. But just realize, we're meant to suffer. Suffering is a strange gift. It's a gift. I know it doesn't make sense, but suffering is a gift. It burns away false hope. Now, if you're on Facebook or on Instagram or something, or if you're watching this, put that in the comment. Listen to what it says. Suffering is a strange gift. It burns away false hope. When I suffer, I realize there's nothing that I can cling to. The last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing anything to hold on to. And the only thing that really speaks joy and peace and comfort is Jesus Christ, his word. And the words that he has given me long ago. I'm never going to leave you, Jeff. I'm always going to provide you. Whatever you do, I will be with you. He said those words over and over. And he's given me text of, I'm going to be in ministry, bringing people through the fire through the testing, through the refinement. And that's the only thing that I can rest on. I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, I couldn't talk, I couldn't do anything. But just rest in that. Suffering is a strange gift. It burns away false hope. I hope you wrote that down. I hope you're putting it on the comment bar. I hope you're feeling that. Trials and suffering is, is, is part of our faith. It shows us who we are. Is God everything? Is God something? Or is God nothing? If I didn't have a God the last couple of weeks, I'd probably be in a different country right now, running or hiding, because that's what I do. When things hit the fan for me, I run. I get I get afraid, like a seventh grader. Squeaky voice, high water pants, nowhere to go. He's got anything, he's got everything, he's got nothing. Life's hardships refine us and it deepens our faith so that we can have this refined hope in Christ. This is a test. This is a test. The pandemic's a test. You know what? I don't know if I'm passing right now. If I grading myself, I'd say I'm failing. If I had some friends and family grade me, I don't know if I'd pass. But in Christ, when I read His Word, I have victory. Even when I'm failing the test. And that's your victory and our victory together when we join the Holy Spirit and allow ourselves to be refined and have great hope in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Refine us, Lord. Right now. Verse 8 of this song that that Peter's trying to pump up these people with, he says, You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you don't see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Thank you, Jesus. I've never seen you physically, but I know I love you. How do you love somebody you've never seen? Have you ever been in a a, a long-distance relationship? Raise your hand. If I was in church, I'd have everybody raise your hand and I'd say some stupid joke and get derailed for 10 minutes. Long-distance relationships suck. I don't know if you can say that online, but I just did. And I had one in my whole life and I was terrible at it. Jealousy and anger. I didn't answer the phone at the right time. There was no FaceTime or no internet moving around at light speed. Long distance relationships are horrible. But listen, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, they're not distant. The Holy Spirit's moving right now and they're right next to you. And for some of you, like me, we're being carried. And the only footprints you're going to see is those of the fathers and the son and the spirit. Jesus is near. And maybe you haven't really ever seen him. He's working and moving in many ways through many things and many people. You got to trust that. That's what verse nine says. The reward for trusting will be the salvation of your souls. I've got to learn that even though I've never physically seen Jesus in in, in the real, I've seen him in my heart. I've seen his words jump out and play out in reality. I've seen healings and I've seen revival uh, spirit within people. I've seen life transformation. I've seen God reveal his spirit to a group of people. And I've seen mass salvation over my life. The reward is salvation for your soul this is kind of weird but I've always wanted to get a reward I used to watch westerns with my dad and watch these Westerns and it's like $5,000 to get Billy the Kid and you have this reward and this crazy looking guy with a cigar sticking out of his mouth. I'm like, man, I'd love to get a reward. I, I remember being in the neighborhood, lost cat, lost dog, lost lizard. And I'm like, hey, I should find it. I'll get a reward. I always wanted to get a reward. And God, as I was reading this, like God said, trust me and you will be rewarded like you've never been rewarded before. And I received that. Received that. The reward for trusting is salvation and it's growing and it's moving and it feels hard and and difficult. And that refining moment, that burning fire is hard, it's hot. Sometimes we scream and yell, but the reward is great. Verse 10 says, This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about. They prophesied about this grace, of salvation prepared for you. Have you ever read the Bible and like, man, I wish I was Jeremiah, Isaiah, Micah. These prophets were prophesying about something they didn't really even know. Peter's giving us something that's mind boggling right now. They wondered what they were talking about and what it was going to look like. They were wondering about Christ and who he is and what he was going to be and what he's looking like and when he was going to come and how he was going to change the world because they just had a revelation, but they had questions just like you and I. We have questions. When is he coming back? Why are we going through all this hell on earth right now? They were wondering what salvation is going to look like for the the future. Just like we're wondering what the future looks like in Christ today. Verse 11 says, they wondered about what time or situation the spirit with, uh, of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and this great reward. God's spirit was revealing to them the future of where we are at right now. They want to know what's happening today in 2020. They must have thought there's going to be a time in a future where the world is going to be upside down and the only thing that the, the world can have that's going to bring them hope is Christ. They were wondering what it was going to feel like and look like 2,000 years after the death of the Savior of the world. This revelation that says was in them, within them, and God gives you revelation that's within you and if you read his word, it will jump out and start to play out in 3d or 4d in a new dimension in your life that dimension is the holy spirit working and moving and refining you but they weren't quite sure how it was going to play out or what the reward was but i know this what they wrote about brought hope and it still does today verse 12 says they were told that their message was not for them but for you Listen, this is for you. This is for me. I've read this Bible more than I've read a Bible in a long time, and it's like a $12 cheap leather, but it's for me. This message that they wrote about, Some of the greatest people on earth that have ever walked on earth knowing God has wrote a book about God so that you and I can have a revelation and a spiritual movement in our life so that we can be refined and have great hope no matter what's happening. It says now... This good news has been announced to you by those preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. I hope the Spirit is moving and using a knucklehead like me. Because trust me, I'm not, in the, I'm not in the power of my will because my will gets me in trouble. My will hurts people. But God's power, it changes. It transforms, it heals, it radically changes someone from a, a criminal to a Christ follower. And he picks that person up even when they've made a mess of their life. It's all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly wait uh, watching for these things to happen. Everybody in heaven is watching how we are living our life in 2020. And all we're doing is slinging Bible verses and saying the mask is good or it's wrong or we're into the pandemic. And the truth is the angels are saying you have the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel right in front of you, and we're wasting the resources. It's a wonderful thing. We should be celebrating together and building people up, equipping people and sending people out into the riots, into the mayhem and bringing glory to God. This is for you. This is for me. This message is for me. I've had to look in the mirror constantly this week and hear this message over and over. Because it's about me and it's about you. The Holy Spirit's job is to refine us, to grow us and to give us this living hope through the living word of God because of the living son of God. The final one, it says, be hopeful for we can enjoy glory now. The refining part of this message was be hopeful, we are prepared for God's glory. But this final stanza talks about be hopeful, we can enjoy the glory now. What are we waiting for? How many other messages do you need to hear to change your heart, change the inside of who you are? We can enjoy it now. Remember this, my hope doesn't come from the circumstances around me how big my house is or how nice my car is or how many followers I have. It's never going to be enough. My hope comes from Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit sang a song to us through Peter today. And our hearts should be leaping for joy. Peter's reaching out to people that are persecuted and, and, and suffering in a pandemic. They've been Their lives have been turned upside down. They're not the same. They're strangers. They're foreigners. They're sojourners. And that's what we feel like today. That's what I feel like today. I don't feel comfortable in my skin being locked down. So I have to rise up through Christ and let him be my hope. He's reminding us. He's refining us so that his glory will reign and rise up through us. So here's the song before we close. Be hopeful for we are born for glory. Be hopeful for we are protected for glory. Be hopeful for we are prepared for glory. We are refined and and, sh- and, and, and shaped and shifted so that the glory of God can rise through us. And finally, be hopeful for we can enjoy God's glory now. Everybody say now. Now, Cicero writes, while there is life, there is hope. I hope that says something to someone today. But the better part is where there is hope, there is Christ Jesus. Can you pray with me? Father, we sing a new song to you today. Father, shape this new season so that you will be glorified. Lord, shape this 2020 uh, ending so that you will transform and change us. Lord, bring us revelation and transformation all because of salvation and what you're doing, Lord. And I pray right now that as you are refining all of us, that hope will rise. Lord, I hope we're singing this song and you're hearing it and that you're expanding the Holy Spirit within us right now. If you're hopeless today and if you're dead to sin and you feel distant and disconnected and separated from God, there's great hope. There's good news. There's a Savior and His name is Jesus. He's changed me. And he will change you. And all you got to do is open up this heart, this space, this little spot in your heart. And it says, just have a little bit of faith. You don't have to have great faith. And he will come into your heart and change you. That's you today. And I know you're out there. The Holy Spirit is pushing you to say this prayer. Say it from your mouth. Believe it in your heart. Shout it if you're in the grocery store. And let Christ move and work and do something powerful. Here's the prayer. Father, forgive me. For I'm a sinner. I'm dead and hopeless to sin. But you died, Lord, so that I can be saved and right and holy with Christ. Come into my heart. Give me grace, Lord, so that I can have eternal life. I thank you for what you're doing right now, Father. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit and refine me and shape me and grow me so that I can be more obedient to you. I love you and I praise you for who you are. In your name, amen.